this tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coach Kevin Furtado. Hey, if you want to know who are the best high school basketball coaches and leaders in our country are, you need to stay tuned and listen to the Championship Vision Podcast. We have some of the most renowned and best high school basketball coaches and PE teachers from around the country. Coaches you might not have heard of but have amazing ideas. And I firmly believe every coach in America has genius within them. It's not all about the state championships. It's about the impact you have on your kids and your community. So stay tuned to the Championship Vision Podcast. Coaches, welcome again to the Championship Vision Podcast. The podcast is about sharing the game. Our next interview is episode 193 with Coach Mike May. Coach Mike May is currently the Alpine School District Athletic Director in American Fork, Utah. In addition, he's also the owner and creator of Practice Planner Live software. And in addition to that, he's also a author and publisher of educational and instructional resources for coaches. Coach Mike May has helped Utah Valley State women's basketball program team achieve a record of 27-10, capturing the SWAC Region Tournament Championship, as well as seventh plate finish in the National Junior College Tournament in the 2000-2001 season. In his first season, he helped Utah Valley State College achieve an overall record of 22-9 and 12-6 record in the Scenic West Conference and coordinated a defense that led the conference in fewest points allowed, 59.8, was consistently in the top 10 in the nation in that category during the season. He also led Hart High School to the 1993, 94, 96, and 97 Foothill League Championships with the 96-97 team, combining a 23-6 overall and 10-0 conference record and advancing to the quarterfinals of the CIF for the first time in 27 years, receiving the following awards while at Hart High School, named the 1996-97 Area Coach of the Year, named the Area Coach of the Year leading Hart High School to a 21-2 record and second consecutive Foothill League Championship in 1994. He was also named Conference Coach of the Year at Hart High School in 1993. He also led North San Pete High School to the quarterfinals of the Utah 2A Championships, 1985 at the Marriott Center in Provo, Utah. 
In addition, he was named Conference Coach of the Year at Tent View High School Girls, Utah, in 1981. He was a starting guard of Brigham Young University varsity men's basketball team in Provo, Utah in 1976, and he was a team captain in 1977. He's the current record holder to date for the most assists in one game, 16 at Brigham Young University, 1976. Of course, I'm going to quiz him a lot on uh, how did he get more assists than Danny Ainge? So we're going to have a fun conversation uh, on that, and we're going to really kind of pick his brain on what he's doing with his Alpine school district uh, during this pandemic time <clears throat> on how his, uh, the teams out there are trying to become pandemic proof. Uh, what are some of his policies and guidelines and restrictions uh, he's teaching his coaching staffs. Um, but really what we're going to talk about is his practice planning software on, and how you can become a more efficient practice coach, which I think is essential to becoming a great coach. So we're really going to pick his brain on many different areas, uh, but you're really going to enjoy this podcast with Coach Mike May. Mike, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Mike. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good. How are you, Coach? How's it going out there in Utah? Um, you know, it's nice. Uh, kind of sunny and warm. Hey, anything more except uh, perfect health, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, that's so far so good. Absolutely on that. Hey, uh, can you hear me okay? How's the audio there? Yeah, I can hear you fine. All right. Great. Great. Um, hey, I, I really appreciate you joining me. Um, and um, uh, thanks again for uh, partnering up with the championship vision. So I'm so excited. I, I already know a few coaches that have contacted you and so forth. So hopefully we can keep this relationship going. No, I, I'm yeah. I Thank you for the invite. And yeah, I'm excited about it. And I think, you know, we share that same passion of helping coaches and this, this is a great opportunity to, to reach out and, and, and help coaches hopefully. Oh yeah, no doubt it will. Um, hey coach, talk about, uh, I do have a question. I know you played for BYU 
And I, I was thinking today going, I know you're going to talk to us about, you know, growing up in the game. Um, you played, I think, was it right before Danny Ainge? Uh, Ainge played in the 80s, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, I was uh, I was a junior college transfer out of Southern California. And um, my uh, senior year, Danny Ainge, uh, yeah, he was a freshman. So we played one year together. And in fact, um, when he came up on his recruiting trip my junior year, we um, we had the opportunity. He actually came up with a couple other players. Uh, I don't know if you remember Tom Chambers who played in the NBA. I do. Yeah. yeah, he came with Danny on the same recruiting trip, and another another player out of Utah named Danny Vrains, uh, who was a good player. I do uh, remember. <laughs> yeah, they were all on the same recruiting trip, and so we took them around. And uh, yeah, Danny wound up, uh, you know, of course, signing at BYU, and um, we played together one year. And uh, yeah, he's uh, had quite a career in the NBA, and you know, and also in the front office. Oh, absolutely, Coach. Hey, talk about growing up in the game. Uh, I always, I'm just a firm believer, like how you kind of grow up um, as a youth and in the game kind of really transcends into what you're doing now and so forth. Talk a little bit about just growing up with sports and basketball. Well, what happened when I was, uh, I originally grew up in New York till I was 12, and in New York, uh, right around Buffalo, New York. Um, I never really played much basketball. I was a baseball guy and, and football guy, you know, youth football, youth baseball, and, you know, played a lot of uh, baseball and football, but very little basketball. And then um, when I was 12 years old, our family moved from Buffalo to Los Angeles. And um, we moved in October, and I'll never forget, we left Buffalo, and there was snow on the ground, and we wound up arriving in LA and it was 90 degrees and, um, you know, a whole different world. And so what happened is, uh, you know, being new in a, in a new state and a new school and, you know, not having a whole lot of friends, um, turns out that L, uh, LA city area, they opened up their high school gyms in the evenings. And it, it just turned out that one a kid invited me to come up and play pickup ball. And like I said, I played very little basketball. And so he invited me to come play ball um, in the evening. And it turns out, you know, they have the gym open every night from 7 to 10. And it, I started playing. I started meeting people. And I started um, connecting and just felt like, okay, this is my, you know, because it's not easy to move when you're a 12-year-old and, you know, you mm -hmm. leave all your friends behind. So I started connecting there, playing ball. And, you know, I was a, an eighth grader. And I could see, you know, all of us that have played pickup ball, you know, when there's open gyms and there's multiple courts, you see where all the really good players are playing in the middle court. And, you know, myself being an eighth grader and kind of a scrub at the game, I'm playing on the side court, but I'm always looking at that middle court. And there's high school guys and some JC players and college players. And I'm just thinking, okay, one of these days I'm going to make it to that that middle court and, you know, it was all three on three, four on four. And then, um, you know, I just, it got into my blood and I played ball just night and day. It got into my, you know, it was my, my thing. And so I, you know, I worked my way through um, growing up playing ball and played high school ball and was fortunate to have a good high school career made um, all LA city um, and um, wound up, 
uh, being recruited and played JC ball and then wound up being recruited to, to BYU. Yeah. If you can play in LA, man, we know you got some game on that. They've always had a lot of great players out there. Um, you know, what's interesting you said though, Mike is it was, it's different than now because now everything is organized AAU. Um, but you learn so much by just on your own learning. I mean, I, I just think there's so much to that that kids don't have these days. Everything is done for them, pretty much. Um, what do you think the comparisons on how you grew up in the game and how it is now? Yeah, you know, when, when I was a senior, I was approached by a, a group that um, – they were just starting the AAU thing. We, we uh, got on this team. They invited me to play. And we had a group of guys. Um, we had um, Brad Holland. I don't know if you remember that name. Played for the I Lakers. Do. I do. Yeah, played with him. Played with uh, a guy named Paul Mokeski who played in the NBA for about 10 years. Played with the Bucks. Uh, yeah, exactly. A seven-footer. And so we all played pickup ball together. But there was no AAU. And we would travel around. We, we knew where all the best games were. And we would travel to Hamilton High School, which was downtown L.A. We'd go to Occidental College on Saturday mornings. That's where we played against Paul Westfall and, and um, Gus Williams, who played for uh, USC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, that whole world, to me, um, that's where you really had to build your game because – you know, you play in those games, and if you lose, you're done, and you, you've got to really, you know, step up. Unlike AAU where, I mean, yeah, all the great players, are on, uh, they're getting on the AAU teams, but they've got sponsors. They've got everything paid for, and, you know, we, we just had to – our thing was you better bring your game or you're going to sit out and you're going to wait and you're not going to be able to play, so – that whole competitive world, um, you know, again, like I said, we traveled together, Paul Mokeski and myself and a couple other uh, college players, we would just drive around and find out where the best games were. And, you know, we had, we knew where they were and we would go there and compete. And to me, that's where, you know, you build your game. It's, you know, that, that's where you got to really hone your skills and, and develop or you, you don't, you don't stay on the court. And to me, man, those are, those are life lessons right there. I just, I think there's so much value to that. And, but, but it's our generation, right? And it says a lot about my age too, Mike, uh, that I know all those guys. Um, but I think there's a lot of merit to that for our kids today. Um, but you know, what's a different age? And we have to kind of understand that. And, and particularly you as an athletic director, you can't always be focusing on old school values. You got to focus on the new generation. How do you do that? Yeah, that that's, you know, that's the key. The game has changed so much in terms of the peripheral things. And, you know, I, we've got uh, 10 high schools in our district and, you know, I oversee the coaches training and, and all that goes with it. And I, and I think you've just got to be, you've got to wear so many more hats uh, you've got to uh, make sure all your financial part is, is in order. You know, I can remember when I was a young coach, we'd do a summer basketball camp and, you know, the kids would bring us cash and we'd put the cash in a big box 
and we'd have it right there. And I'd tell one of my assistants, hey, go, here's here's some money, go get pizza. <laughs> and, you know, we never thought twice about having a couple thousand dollars in a box in my office. Yeah. Whereas, you know, nowadays uh, coaches have lost their jobs because they haven't really gone by the financial, um, you know, the financial policies and procedures. And, and so it's a whole different world, let alone um, communication with parents and what you're dealing with with this generation of, of parents and players and, and everything. So my, my hat's off to high school coaches. I mean, I admire them. I've been there. I did 26 years. But the game has changed so much in, in, in the peripheral aspects of communicating with parents, uh, how to navigate through that whole thing. Um, and, you know, the financial part and you're limited on how many hours you can practice. And then, you know, then you're running a year round thing. And there's just a lot of elements to it that, you know, back in our day, they were just coming on and now they're full blown. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got your hands full pretty much, but it's a great challenge though. It's just a different time. It's not a, it's not a more difficult time. This is a different, um, what are you doing now trying to become more, I, I, my, my term is pandemic proof. I think we're all trying to figure out ways how we cannot transmit, uh, this virus. And of course, you know, currently Mike, the Miami Marlins with all their players and so forth, um, I sense there's that was caused by irresponsibility more than anything else. Do you feel like the virus is transmitted more off the court than on the court? You know, that's that's a really good question. I mean, I'm not a medical expert, but I've talked around enough, you know, and right now we're contemplating how we're going to move forward with our fall sports. And, you know, we had a big meeting yesterday with our district superintendent, you know, what's a football game going to look like and what, you know, how are we going to handle that? And we've got the volleyball season and all that goes with it. You know, I think as far as, you know, transmitting it, um, you know, I think it's going to happen, but it's, it's a question of what have we put in place to make sure that we are doing the best we can to, to minimize it, but it's going to happen. And then from there, it's, it's, it's going to be, how do we react to it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, are we going to shut things down? Or are we going to have some degree of herd immunity in terms of we're going to play through this? Because if we set a precedent of shutting things down, that has a ripple effect, whether it's Major League Baseball, whether it's the NBA this week or what have you. We as high schools are going to be looking to that. OK, what, what's the NBA doing? What's college football doing? And if we shut down a program, especially a football program, if you shut a football program down for two weeks and they can't lift, they can't meet, they can't condition, then you're basically shutting down a program for probably the season because now on the high school level, you've got liability issues. You have a kid that goes back out who hasn't been training, hasn't been lifting for two weeks, and he gets back out on the football field and he blows an ACL and you've got you know parents coming back and saying, well, why did you start this program up you know, you've been shut down two weeks, you haven't done any conditioning, and now you're back at it. Um, so to me, football is an especially one that we've really got to make sure we're, we're doing things right because of the liability issues. Yeah, that's so true. That's really interesting what you said there. I, 
Um, it's kind of sounded to me a little bit that you almost have to play through this. And I, I, and I know that sounds crazy, but we have to live through this virus, even though there's risk, right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, okay, if you shut down the program and you, 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 you just can't control where your players are and what they're doing off the court. Sure. I mean, you can, you can control what you can do on the court and you can set those precautions and, and do whatever. But once they leave your realm there, whether it be the football field or the basketball court, you just don't know what they're exposed to and, and so forth. And so, yeah, if, if you shut it down, okay, you shut it down. But my question would be to the Marlins, okay, when you bring them all back together, what's, what's the guarantee that, Things are going to be different and you're going to be, you know, you're going to be uh, immune to to the virus. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I just like to see to my own personality. I like to see how we can persevere through this and not. But it's easy for me to say now my my sister uh, had COVID-19 and she was very ill and she made it through. Uh, But she already had other uh, issues going on with her cancer and things like that. She was very fortunate. Um, so, but I think it's something that's really interesting to get your perspective on that. Hey, I really want to talk to you today about your practice planner live, but I want you to kind of go over what would be a really good practice for us coaches. I really want you to teach us coaches on things we can do. Uh, but before you get to that, can you talk about who are some of your great mentors that kind of shaped your philosophy? Um, you know what? I, I Growing up in Southern California, I attended John Wooden's uh, summer basketball camp. And I, I was living in Los Angeles in the heyday of UCLA basketball. And so I was fortunate to go to his camp. And, you know, here you are in the summer. And, you know, I going into my senior year, uh, it was the summer of my, between my junior and senior year. And uh, there were probably 300 kids. It was held at um, Palisades High School in Southern Cal. And it was John Wooden's camp. And uh, I'll never forget, you know, the first day of camp, uh, 300 campers there and and high school coaches and and Coach Wooden's staff was there. And the very first thing that happened is Coach Wooden comes out, you know, he introduces himself and, you know, we all know who he is. And, um, he, he takes out a he brings up a chair and he sits down. And the very first thing he does is he demonstrates to all of us how to put our socks on properly. <laughs> and, and here we are, you know, we're going, you got to be kidding me. Uh, we're here to learn, you know, how to, you know, to do this and to do that. And the very first thing, you know, he, he showed us, he took his socks off and, you know, two pairs of socks. You make sure that first pair of socks is very tight and then you put the other one on and he used the analogy, you know, he goes, I've got Bill Walton playing for me right now, but if he's got bad feet, it doesn't matter how good he is. uh, He's not going to be able to perform. So that was a real, at a young age for me, a real impactful experience uh, that taught me, you know, you've got to prepare and you've got to take into account every uh, aspect of the game, every minutia to be successful. And so John Wooden had a huge impact on me from his pyramid of success. You know, I've read every one of his books, um, his, his philosophy, you know, his, um, you know, his philosophy in, t- in terms of we're going to prepare for ourselves. Of course, we're going to look at a scouting report and we're going to know 
you know, some of the things that our opponents are going to do. But the majority of our our focus is going to be on what we do, what we have control of. And so he was a major, um, a major influencer for me. And then I had a really good junior college uh, basketball coach. Uh, um, I played for him for one season. And the interesting thing was he was never a high school basketball player, never played in college. He was a very, very good baseball player. And he was a good baseball coach. And he just applied good coaching principles to basketball. And we loved playing for him. Um, and he was a, a real big influence on me as well. Yeah, it's interesting about John Wood and his principles will live forever. Uh, and it's just, it's really just life principles, right? Do you think we do enough of that as coaches? And I know you've coached quite a few years, Mike. Do we do enough of that as coaches teaching our kids how to be better people, how to live life a proper way rather than basketball? I mean, are we doing enough of that? You know, I think um, everybody wants to do that, but I think you've got to be proactive and systematic. Um, you know, we have such a great sport where you can connect with individuals in emotional moments, in teachable moments, where many, not even in a classroom, can you connect like you can as a coach because you're going to have teaching moments where players' hearts are wide open either from a tough loss or a great win or a comeback or wherever, where you can instill, um, you know, life lessons and character. But I think in this day and age, you've got to be systematic about it. Um, you know, I'm a firm believer in having a leadership council or, you know, your team captains where you're meeting regularly with them. I think you've got to build in. And again, I use the guide of John Wooden's pyramid of success. One of the things I tried to do is take, a building block of that pyramid each week and try to, to weave it into my practice, whether it was the emphasis of the day or whether we stopped in practice and we just talked about it. Um, I, I just think that you have to be systematic. And I think more than ever with the generation of young people that we have, we have to build resiliency with them we, because they're not getting it in other places. Um, and so we have a great opportunity to uh, build resiliency and character in our players. And we have to, you know, I deal with parents um, as an AD on the district level and I see our ADs in our schools and I see our coaches that are, are dealing with parents that, you know, you've heard the ter term snowplow parents and, and everything else. Well, we've got to build that character in these, these young people because sometimes they're not getting it at home. They're getting the opposite. They're getting parents coming in to administrators and complaining about the coach. Uh, just one quick analogy uh, that I, I used as a, as a coach. When I had my parent meeting, uh, I would, when, I, when I covered about how I'm going to communicate with parents, the very first thing I told the parents in the meeting, I said, the very first thing I'm going to invite you to do is to send your son or daughter in if you have concerns about their playing time and what's happening with them. And just like any good English teacher or math teacher, they have every right to know about what grade they're getting in the class. And it's my professional responsibility to explain to them exactly where they are in the rotation, why they're playing, why they're not playing. And then I would use the analogy with parents. I said, okay, in 10 years, 
when you have a son or a daughter who's at the workplace and they're not being treated fairly by their boss, are you going to go in and sit down with their boss and fight their battle? Are you going to do that for them? And they're 30 years old. And so I, I tell them every time you go in to an administrator or a coach without sending your son or daughter in and giving them the opportunity to find out what grade they have and where they are and why they're playing and why they're not, you are disempowering them for later in life. And, and that analogy gets a lot of parents thinking, wow, I, I better allow my son or my daughter that's a 15, 16, 17 year old to talk to a 45 year old coach and, and know how to express themselves and know how to carry on a conversation where they can find out, you know, what is my role on the team? Then when you sit down at the dinner table, mom and dad, ask your son or daughter, how was your visit with the coach? Uh, tell us about what your role is. How are you, you know, what did he tell you about where you can go from point A to point B from being the 12th man to the 10th man or a possible, you know, starter or whatever, then you have that conversation at the dinner table, but not you going to the coach without, with just bypassing your son or daughter. That's a great point. That, that, that lesson um, must be adhered. I, I love that because I think what you're teaching them a lot of valuable things there, but um, you know, how to make up, how to, how to handle situations on their own. Is it all about parents are afraid their kids are going to fail when really, Mike, there's no such thing as failure. Failure. You just learn from it, right? Oh, absolutely. And if you teach that, that perspective that, you know, things are not always going to go your way, but, you know, you continue to work and set goals and, you know, you communicate with your coach. Um, but you got to learn to do do hard things. And I think parents mistakenly that, you know, we all love our kids. Sure. That we all want, want the best for them. But we can't confuse loving kids to taking any kind of opposition away from them. It's just the opposite. We're, we're disempowering them. And we're, we're not truly loving them because we're rescuing them. Because down the road, they're going to need those skills to find happiness, find fulfillment in their lives. And so to me, parents mistakenly want to plow the, the, the road ahead and, and just take away any opposition. And so that's why, again, I go back to how important the role we have as coaches to build that resiliency, build that mental toughness. And thank goodness we've got incredible high school coaches and junior high coaches and, you know, college coaches that and, you know, even the pros that that are able to build character and, and players. And you have you're in a you're in a district, uh, Mike, that has some great coaches. I was looking at all of them. And of course, uh, Lone Peak is kind of the one that really stands out. Talk about the tradition of your district, but also talk about the great tradition at Lone Peak, which is an unbelievable program that really a lot of people are not familiar with. But they're 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 a great program. Yeah, um, you know we have ten high schools and we we do have some some very very good programs. Yeah, Lone Peak has been um, you know with Quincy Lewis and I know you interviewed Quincy and I'm, Quincy's a close friend of mine. I worked with him at Lone Peak, and um, he's um, you know one of the best in the country. I mean he won the Naismith Award and 
they they won the national championship about five six years ago you know the mythical national championship but they played some of the best teams in the country and competed with Mount Verde and and all the big big schools and you know Lone Peak is a public school and they don't go out and really go after players um but Quincy Lewis is one of the best coaches you know I've ever been associated with and um you know, I had an interesting conversation with him. Um, when I was at Lone Peak, I was actually an assistant principal over athletics, and Quincy was our basketball coach. And one day I was talking with him, and I said, uh, Quincy, how many, how many coaches have you had from our area here in, uh, surrounding Lone Peak and so forth? I said, how many coaches have you had come in and watch your practices? You know, and I think the previous year he'd won the Naismith Coach of the Year and, and he said, you know what? I had one coach um, call me once and just ask me about a few things. And I thought, that's it? That's all? You, you, you haven't had any other coaches? And he goes, no. And I thought, you know what? We, we've got to be students of the game. I mean, if I were, you know, I've been out of coaching for a while. But if I were a high school coach here in Utah, I'd be calling Quincy. I'd be going to watch his practices. I'd be finding out exactly what he's doing. And, you know, coaches are generally great at sharing things. But to me, and I tell our young coaches that come in here in our district and all coaches, actually, I said, you know, if I were you, I would identify if I'm a wrestling coach, who's the top wrestling program in the state? And I would call up that coach and I would ask them, hey, coach, can I come and pick your brain? Can I come watch your practice? Um, because to me, that's invaluable. And you know, they've had success, you know, they know what they're, they're doing. So, you know, that was an interesting part, but Lone Peak has been, you know, a powerhouse and they had a great player come through Frank Jackson who's, you know, playing for the Pelicans, um, really outstanding player, probably one of the best players to ever come through Utah. And uh, so he played at Lone Peak and, and they've had some good players and they've had a pipeline to be Quincy's done a great job and he's going to be at Lehigh this next year, Lehigh High School, which is one of our district schools. And I think he'll turn that into a real contender. Yeah, it's amazing what you said there. Really, my podcast is specifically designed to share the game. And I I really I think there's coaches out there. This is Mike May, creator and owner of Practice Planner Live Software. I'm excited about partnering with Kevin Furtado and Championship Vision Podcasts. We share a common passion of helping basketball coaches be more effective in their profession. With over 26 years of basketball coaching experience, I created Practice Planner Live with the purpose of saving coaches valuable time in creating efficient and effective practice plans. John Wooden once said, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. Practice Planner Live can take your practice planning to a whole nother level with tools and functionality that will maximize your team's ability to reach their potential. I think we're back. Mike, welcome, my friend. Hey, it's all about handling adversity, man. <laughs> there you go. Um, I guess after a while, you figure it out, you know, after doing it so many times. Um, hey, continue on what you were saying. You were talking about Quincy Lewis and – Coach is not you know, taking advantage of his knowledge of the game. Uh, kind of just continue on with that a little bit. Yeah, it just, uh, you know, the, the principle of, you know, finding out who's doing things right. You know, I've always been the kind 
throughout my coaching career, I, I don't like to reinvent the wheel. And so I, um, I just think that, you know, you identify who the top coaches are and, and actually go see them practice. I think that, that to me, you know, you can sit in a clinic and listen to all kinds. I've been there. I've, I've heard them all over the years. And um, if you can, uh, if you can get in and watch a practice, to me, that's the real um, proof in the, in the pudding, so to speak of, of what's really happening. And, you know, I've watched Quincy Lewis's practices and um, I have a son that coaches at, um, at the time he was an assistant coach at Salt Lake community college. And he was down visiting me and we were both sitting there watching Quincy's practice. And he turned to me and he says, boy, I should invite my whole team down here to watch how hard they practice and how they execute and how much he demands and how structured and organized their practices are. And so I just think it comes down to, um, you know, to being a student of the game. And um, I shared this experience with you uh, the last time we talked was when I was coaching in Southern California, uh, I coached at Hart High School, which is in Los Angeles. And we had a, a preseason scrimmage with Simi Valley High School, which was not too far away. And their coach was one of the best coaches around at that time in Southern California, one of the best high school coaches. And uh, when I looked at my team, my team, as far as its makeup, was probably a little bit more talented than his, than his team was. So he came to our place and we scrimmaged and he wound up beating us by, by 20 points. I mean, he dominated. And like the next day I watched, I filmed the scrimmage and I watched it and the, their execution was standing the way they executed both defensively and offensively. I watched their players on help side positioning. Their stances were just so good. And, and I thought, wow, what is he doing to, um, you know, to get this level of execution and, and how competitive they were and, and tough and all that goes with it. So I called him up and I said, hey, do you mind if I come see your practice? And so I wound up going over to watch his practice. And I learned so much in that practice. One of the things I noticed right away um, is that he had a manager with a clipboard and every one of his drills, he, he came over before practice started and we small talked a little bit and then he handed me a practice plan. And the practice plan was just so organized and laid out. And, and you know, we, he knew exactly which teams were going to be together and what drills and, and so forth. But he had, and all of his drills I noticed uh, were competitive. Uh, every drill, even three on zero, three man weave up and back. Uh, he would basically have a stopwatch and he'd, he'd have four teams of three players and they'd make it a game. It was competitive and they had to finish with a layup. They had to go to the lines and he would subtract points if they didn't do certain things or he'd give them points. And they played three or four rounds of three on zero, three man weave up and back, each team taking their turn and they made it competitive. And he used the stopwatch to award points for the best, the fastest team that, that completed it. And then they would award wins to that, th that group of three players. The manager would record on their win sheet uh, that each player got credited for a win. And so then I saw the next drill, they ran a four on four shell drill, same thing, three teams of four. And he had criteria for how you could earn points in the drills. It wasn't just about getting a defensive stop. That was one point if it was a four-on-four four shell defensive drill. 
you got one point for a stop, but he also gave one point if you came out in a proper denial stance or if you were talking or if you blocked out on any shot, he would award random points. And so, you know, each team would track how many points they got off of their opportunity to play defense. And then at the end of that drill, whoever had the most points won the drill and they, they got uh, credit for the win on the win sheet. And I noticed that at the end of practice, he tallied, the manager tallied up all the wins. And then um, the coach came over, Dean Bradshaw came over. He says, tomorrow we're going to post this on the locker room wall and the gym wall. And the player with the most wins is going to be at the top. And they're going to just, according to your wins, is how you're going to appear on that list. And that, that concept that I learned that day changed my whole trajectory as a coach and I went back and I looked at all my drills and I said okay how am I going to make all my drills competitive and it's not just about a basket but it's putting point values on the fundamentals that you want to reinforce in the drill because that's what kids will do when if they know they're getting a point for a proper closeout they're going to focus on closeouts and you know you can't do too many we, uh, you know, he, he, he taught me just two or three point values for every drill. So I did that and I, and it changed the whole level of our practice, the intensity level. Um, I could see who was competitive, who my winners were. Then it just so happens that we wound up playing that same team, Simi Valley High School, for our uh, own tournament championship. And we wound up um, playing them and we beat them by two points. And uh, after the game, he came up, shook my hand. He says, I'll never let you in another one of my practices. But, you know, I mean, he was <laughs> kidding me, you know, and just and we became really, really good friends after that. And, you know, he would he would sometimes tease me about how much we were mirroring what they did. But it, it changed that. So my my perp, my my point here is find out who's got the best programs and talk to the coach. But more than anything, go watch them practice because that's where you're going to see and that's where you're going to learn. And, and that's the experience that I had that really uh, changed the way I did things. Well, actually, by, I heard, I heard that you told me that story before, and I actually made a lot of changes and so forth in our practices um, and are going to continue that for every drill. Um, and I love the wind chart. Matter of fact, we had it the other day during our practice and so forth. So um, hey, but I'm not going to name it after Dean Bradshaw. I'm naming, I'm naming it after Mike May. <laughs> no, because I, uh, I did not invent it. And there are plenty, you know, there are plenty of coaches out there doing that. But I mean, it's just it's a game changer as far as uh, your execution. You know, you don't have to. I mean, you, all you do is teach. You don't have to really, you know, go crazy with players because it's built in. The competitiveness is built in. And another great thing about that is you've got statistics and analytics that when a parent comes in and says, you know, jumps right to, to the coach and says, hey, how come my son Johnny is not playing? Well, you can pull out the statistics and say, you know what? We've run X amount of drills over the course of, you know, preseason, three weeks, four weeks or whatever. And here's where Johnny stands as far as point totals for winning drills. And that's just another criteria that's subject or objective that you can present to a, a parent that, you know, doesn't get it and is, you know, demanding and, and,
happen with game bats and, and what, what have you, but that's just another element that you can present to a parent. Yeah, and we're going to go into your, uh, your software that you are the owner and creator of, and then you're going to uh, hopefully talk about, you know, how to run a, an efficient practice. To me, Mike, this software should be in every coach's resource library. So talk about Practice uh, Planner Live and how, where, uh, why should you use it and what are the advantages? You know, again, every coach wants to be organized. I mean, I started out with uh, John Wooden style three by five cards and, and you know, filed those away. And, and you know, I, I uh, often, I often, you know, I, I, I kind of developed a, a, a passion for technology and how it can help coaches. And I often would say to myself, boy, how much time did we spend on press breaker, uh, especially after a game where a team pressed us? And we didn't handle it well. And we lost basically because I hadn't prepared my team well enough to, to beat a half court trap or beat a full court press. And so I often would wonder how much time did I spend on press break? And, you know, I, I would have to go through all my three by five cards and tally up the number of minutes. And I thought to myself, you know, if I ever develop a software program, I'm going to build that in where a coach can create categories and then build their practice plans. And then it would automatically calculate all the running time of how much time I, 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 I you know, spent on free throw shooting, on um, my half court offense, on closeouts, on passing, whatever it may be, I could go back and look at that. And so what Practice Planner Live has just evolved over, over time of suggestions by coaches, but I knew there were some basic components like the ease of creating a practice plan, you know, being not having to go back and rewrite and re-enter things, even with when word processing came in and, you know, a word doc and so forth, you still have to cut and paste and drop things in. And I just thought, well, let's just use a drop down menu where you put things in one time and it's just point and click, add your drills. It'll automatically put a default practice time in. It'll put any notes I put in. And then here's another element of it. I don't know how many of us have spent wasting time out on the floor saying, okay, right now we're going to run four on four shell. Okay. I want you four together. Then I want you four together. So go ahead and change your jerseys. And by then you've wasted time instead of it's already printed on the practice plan and it's posted on the wall. Make sure you know what teams you're already on for every drill and then players can go in and, and, and look. And so one of the elements of uh, Practice Planner Live is you can create practice teams for any drill. And so if you're running a partner drill, you can create partner teams, and it's all just point and click, drag and drop, really easy. And then also you can add media. Like if, if I've got lower level coaches, and one of the benefits of Practice Planner Live is, uh, you know, we all worry about is say for head varsity coaches, and we've got a a JV team and a sophomore team, well, what are they running in practice every day? Are they running our system? Are they using our drills? Well, one of the things about Practice Planner Live is with a subscription, you can get multiple team accounts and where the head coach can share all their drills, all their practice plans with their JV coach or their sophomore coach. And then they can also uh, um, access their accounts and they can see, okay, is my JV coach planning practice? What's it look like? Because I mean, that's the starting point. If they're not planning 
and they walk out on the floor and they're just winging it. Well, you'll see it. Uh, players won't develop as much. Teams won't be as successful. So, you know, I put everything in there, again, with suggestions from coaches. And our, our program has evolved over the last uh, eight years, nine years. Uh, the web-based version, we, we had a, a, a Windows 95 version. We came out with it in 98. And we had some NBA teams and college teams using it. But then we went to the web in uh, 2012, made it uh, web-based. So suggestions that we've gotten from coaches, we've added those features. And the great thing is everybody benefits from those additional features. And then another thing, too, is if you're doing like um, if you're doing station work and you've got multiple coaches, uh, the program allows you to create a separate practice plan for each uh, coach. So let's say you are taking the bigs, I'm taking the the, the point guards and we've got another coach taking the wings. Well, within a 20 minute time segment, I can easily create three separate plans for your work with the bigs. I'm working with point guards. We're going to be doing different things and we can, we can, uh, that all prints out on the practice plan. You can take attendance. Um, you can do, you know, quite a few things with it that just help a coach stay organized and then when the season's over, you can archive your season. You can, you can put everything in one folder and save it for the, you know, for, and then start from scratch, or you can keep certain drills. And then we have the video component where you can import videos of your drills from YouTube. And now your players and coaches can see, oh, okay, this is how the drill, this is how the drill should be run before they even walk out on the floor. Oh, it's an excellent program. And, and uh, of course, you know, I'm, I'm promoting that to all coaches and so forth. And the coaches are get are having a great response by, by the way. Uh, I think personally that every coach in America, that this should be a requirement because if I was an AD, number one, it's not just for basketball coaches, Mike, it's for all the coaches. Every coach should have this. There's not a better software for this. And there might be, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. Yeah, it is for multiple coach or multiple sports. Uh, you can do, um, you know, any sport we've got users, you know, basketball, lacrosse, football, volleyball, uh, soccer, baseball. Yeah. And um, again, it's coaching principles carry over no matter what. And uh, yeah, it can be um, multi-sport and, you know, we have, for example, an athletic director could, could easily go in and see, okay, are my coaches even planning practice and what's it look like? And so we, um, we have that capability. And um, again, I just firmly believe, and again, it's the old John Wooden quote, if you fail to prepare, you prepare to fail. And, you know, coaching and, and practice time is just too valuable to not walk out with a detailed practice plan, knowing exactly what you're doing in every aspect of the game. Oh, I, I totally agree. Uh, give us again, uh, you've already mentioned it, uh, and you actually went over with me very detailed on how to use everything. Um, what I love is, is the actual, I can pull up a key quote, a key teaching point, and my drills up really quick with the video, um, with the diagrams. Talk a little bit about that, how, how you can become more efficient on this use? Well, you know, with uh, we have some things. I always like to have the quote of the day, defensive emphasis, offensive emphasis. Those are things, you know, I learned from Dean Smith 
from a clinic and, uh, you know, those things we talked about, you know, developing character in players. Well, you know, if you have a quote of the day or a teaching point, you can add that, um, you know, just the ability to categorize your drills and we can, you can create main categories and subcategories. So for example, you can have a, a, a main category as defense. Then you can set a subcategory of half-court defense. Then you can set a subcategory of on-ball defense, help side defense. And then you can categorize all your drills. And again, it tracks everything of how much practice time you've allocated to specific things. So you can even look back and, and say, okay, how much time have we spent on help side defense and those kinds of things. And so just that, that uh, the ability to be organized and account for every minute i mean that's our profession that's what we're supposed to be doing just like any teacher in the classroom and you know players know players are smart they'll know if we're walking out and we're winging it uh, they'll know and so to me um it just it's everything i wished i'd had over my coaching career that at the time i i really didn't but um i just said you know if there ever comes to a point where i i build a software program. I'm going to make sure it does this. It does this. And, um, and again, with one of the things about our program too, is when coaches send recommendations, and in fact, you even recommended one when we were going through it, um, we take those into consideration and we look at them and we put them in our to add list. And, and um, when we see that, yes, this can really benefit coaches, we add it. And the nice thing is, again, it's web-based. It's, it's a one-year subscription that you renew each year. Um, all those updated features um, go out, and they benefit all coaches in every sport. Yeah, I totally agree, and I added it to my PE classes as well, Mike. So I'm I'm getting a lot of use out of it. Um, hey, talk about uh, also um, you just mentioned it about the cumulative planner report. Your reports are awesome. I'm looking right here at it. Um, you know, um, you know, I see that my breakfast club is my fundamentals. I've used 137 minutes. I can go down here and see what I've done. Man, you can't get that anywhere else. I think we assume as coaches we're working on stuff, but if we're keeping detailed reports, we're not. Yeah, you're right. And, you, you know, you always have that gut feeling. And, you know, of course, nothing can replace your gut feeling, but – good information is good inspiration, you know, and you've got to have good information to, to make sure your gut feeling is based on that good information. And so the more, you know, analytics that you have, and of course, you know, coaching is going a big part of it is going to analytics, but that's only to support at the end of the day, that, that underlying feeling we have about, you know, who our starting five are, but the more objective, um, criteria and analytics we have that only is going to support uh, our ability to, to have that gut feeling about, you know, who our starters should be and so forth. So to me, um, you know, we have a tough loss. It's on me. How come did I not prepare my players for this certain thing? And so, you know, the reporting feature of practice planner live is designed to help me to be able to go back and say, you know what, we just didn't spend that much time on it. And the numbers, prove it it's it's not in my head here thinking well i thought we did you know spend a lot of time on press break well you know what when you look at the real picture of it and the real numbers we didn't 
Oh, that's so true on that. And you may, you told me a good story before we move on to how to put together a practice plan. You mentioned a good story about Bruce Weber um, from, I think from Kansas state, I think he's still at, you asked him, I think you asked him one time about, you know, what do you do with your, would you like to use this in your program? He says, no, I just, I guess I just use pen and paper or notepad or whatever. And I was shocked by that. It's like a D1 coach with all their resources and technology that they would not use this. Talk about a time saver and more efficient. I mean, the D1 coaches should be the examples of using this. Well, yeah, and I, my question would be to him. And again, I mean, he's a successful coach and I'm not, you know, in any way trying to be critical, but I would just ask him, um, hey, could you tell me how much time you've spent you know, um, in um, whatever aspect of the game, uh, two-minute situations, how much time have you spent in the last month in practice? And I'm sure he could – maybe he's got a, his own way of doing it, but the ability to just access that in a quick report and be able to say, you know what, we spent X amount of time doing this and here are the drills we used and, and so forth, and here's my evaluations after each drill. And that's another feature – in Practice Planner Live, it gives you the ability to just evaluate a practice or put in a scouting report so that, you know, when I'm planning my practice on Monday and we're going to play so-and-so on Friday night, I can look at my scouting report and I can see, oh, okay, um, here's what they do. They 2-3 they, they zone and they sag and they double down inside. Okay, here's what we're going to do on Monday to put into our practice to prepare that. So, you know, the real purpose was it to bring as much information together for a coach, give them the, the tools to be efficient, to be organized, and, of course, to, to save time. I think you're experiencing that. You do, All it is is once you build a practice plan and you start putting all your drills and everything in, you do that one time. Then it's just point and click, build your plan, and um, it just saves you valuable time. And, and that's that's important for coaches. So they're, you know, they're, but the new wave of coaches, um, they're tech savvy and even the old timers are coming around to, you know, using mm-hmm. technology. And I mean, you've got, you know, you've got video editing and you've got all that goes with it. They, they've got to, to, to have to step up um, with those tools and take advantage of them if they want to stay competitive. Yeah. It's amazing how much technology is in game planning uh, with synergy and huddle and all that, all the analytics. I mean, we're over undated uh, with all that information, but we don't utilize that for our practices. To me, that's almost, it's almost uh, doing it backwards. <laughs> Mike, yeah. it, it should be practice first, then the game planning, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. What we do out on the floor will determine that. And then to me, you know, you, I wrote an article uh, on uh, creating a master practice plan uh, that I uh, um, shared. I, was, I think it was with Coach and Athletic Director Magazine a while back about how important it is to lay out a master practice plan before you even break down uh, into, you know, weekly plans and, and daily plans. It's Again, we're, we're teachers and teachers create a master, you know, effective teachers create master lesson plans of what they're going to cover and, and, and what periods of time. And, and, you know, it's not set in stone, but it's a guide. It's like flexible rigidity. You know, we, 
we have certain things, but then we have to adapt them based on, you know, how circumstances are changing and how we're developing as a team and so forth. But creating a master practice plan is crucial in knowing what the fundamental components are going to be. If we're going to run four out, one in motion offense, okay, well, what are the component parts and what are the shots we're going to get from that? Are all of our drills geared at producing those shots that we're going to get from our offense? All those kinds of analytical things that go into a master practice plan are so crucial. And if we're not doing that, uh, then our chances of being successful with the system we have are going to be reduced. And so to me, yeah, it is. It's the big picture first. And then, you know, that master practice plan of identifying what's my offensive system, what's my defensive system, what's my philosophy, what's my personnel, all those elements that go into it. And then from the master practice plan, that's where we take our weekly practice plans and our daily. And so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's just being organized and having the vision and taking it from the, the whole vision and then working backwards and identifying the component parts that are going to make the system work. Yeah, and I love what you're, you're what you mentioned a good word to me is your system's evolving. You took my advice. I was talking about how we can kind of connect that with game planning. Mm -hmm. And I think you're now, I think you're trying to form a game plan sheet. I think yeah. uh, something that we're, we're trying to work, uh, work on, but you took a coach's input and, um, and I think your, your, your program's about that. It's always evolving, right? Yeah, exactly. And then we, any suggestion, we, we welcome them. We ask for them and we just want to help coaches, um, be more efficient, be more organized. And I, I really have a passion for that. I, I just, um, you know, I've had, I've got five children, they've all played sports and they all played for different coaches. And, um, you know, when you see the impact that coaches have <clears throat> on, um, on players, we've all felt it. We've all experienced it. I just have a passion for helping coaches be successful. And, and that's why this whole program was, was what it came about was my desire to help coaches. And in one of the most important aspects in my mind is preparing for practice. That's where it all happens. And of course, you know, the carryover to games and performing in games. Yeah, that's where the end result is. But it's the journey. It's, it's you know, the end result will happen if we do things right. And so that for me is the passion that drives me with the Practice Planner Live program and and continuing to build it, which we will as we get more and more feedback from coaches. No doubt. Every, and all the information, if you do it right, all the information is right at your fingertips. Um, and it's a great program. Hey, talk about, first of all, Izzy Engel said you are one of the best at helping out coaches, uh, particularly in your area and so forth. He was highly complimentary of you. And I know he's also another great coach in that Utah area. Um, so you've had an impact on a lot of people. Hey, um, talk about preparing a great daily plan. I think every coach is trying, even the veterans are still trying to evolve. Talk about a daily plan. Um, you know, I, I think of course, coming together as a coaching staff and then again, taking that master plan, depending on where you're at in your season, you know? Um, but if you were taking, like, if you were into your season, I think it's evaluating the previous 
practice together as a staff, writing down notes on specific drills, things that our, our team needs to focus on, needs to emphasis, needs to emphasize in terms of our system and, and how we're progressing. And then from, from there, to me, you know, I, I've always been a defensive coach. So I always, um, one of my philosophies was always to try to introduce something uh, new at the beginning of practice where everybody was fresh. So if there were new concepts that we were introducing, um, I know there's different rules. That, uh, you, and, then, and then I learned from John Wooden that at the end of practice, you could just touch on something new just introduce it while people were tired and so forth, but then come back in the next practice and introduce it as one of the first things you did kind of just wet their appetite of, Hey, here's something we're going to learn. But I, I was basically a, a defensive coach. And so my first hour of practice was um, generally dedicated to defense. And I would do um, basically uh, individual breakdowns on defensive fundamentals and, skeleton drills, everything from, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, or one, uh, defensive sliding zigzag drills, uh, and then build on those. And then, of course, I would incorporate. So I would do an individual or, or you know, a skeleton drill, and then I would jump to a team concept of whether it's four-on-four -four shell or six-on-four shell overload drill, then go back to another, another individual concept. Um, one of the things I learned from uh, watching a Rick Patino tape when he was at Providence way back before he was in the NBA and so forth, he taught in his, his team uh, was one of the top teams in, in free throw shooting in the country. And he shared a thing about always sandwiching his, his drills with shooting drills. And so I learned that. So I would run an individual drill. Then I'd go five minutes free throw shooting. Then we'd go to a team aspect drill for, on four shell or, or whatever, five, five on five, or, and then we, um, we do another shooting drill, go to another breakdown drill, shooting drill. And we actually became one of the, the best free throw shooting teams in our region and our area because of that concept. So I would always sandwich shooting into our drills. Um, and then I'd have them return and report on the results of their shooting. So I'd have a manager with a clipboard and we would tally all those up and he would also be the one with the wind sheet tracking the winds. So then, you know, I would, because I was a defensive coach, uh, I, I built that my first 45 minutes to an hour was, was, was defense. And then we would, we'd go to offense and again, same concept, skeleton breakdowns of our system, then team breakdowns and team. Um, and then one thing I learned from, uh, a clinic with uh, coach K was uh, then suddenly just um, throwing something in to, to break things up and just verbally saying, okay, we're going to run th uh, three on three screen review. Uh, everybody get to a basket and let's go do it just right on the fly and get them thinking and getting into a drill as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, I really uh, tried to minimize, um, downtime you know of course you take time to teach and then i always believed in the the basic um teach um demonstrate <clears throat> let them go practice evaluate the practice bring them together for a minute and then give them another shot especially when you're introducing new things that teaching model again of 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 teaching you know introducing it explaining it 
demonstrating it and then going and, and having them do it and then come back, reevaluate, get their feedback. How did you feel? What were some of the things you did well in this drill? What were things that you didn't? Then, okay, go. We got another five minutes on this drill. Let's focus on these things. I think that that teaching motto is something that I always tried to adhere to. And then, um, you know, again, the point system in practice, um, that was a given. And then, of course, offensive, uh, you know, breakdowns and then our, our, our scrimmaging and running our system. And again, whenever we scrimmaged, we always had point values. It was never just five on five and, and track whoever makes the buckets. It was, you know, we would give points for a proper defensive stance. We would give, we would award a point for a proper post feed. Um, whatever it was, we, we tried to limit it to three, three specific uh, point rules or point criteria for every drill. We, would, we didn't want to do more than three. I believe in the power of three. So we would, you know, we would say, okay, get one point for, you know, the basket, uh, a made basket was always a given, but you get one point for uh, a good blockout. You get one point for a good closeout. You get one point for a good basket cut. And those were our three criteria for every drill. And then again, just, just re-emphasizing the importance of execution from the competitive nature of our practices. Yeah, if a coach would just take the win sheet from this, I think he would get a lot out of it, right, Mike? Um, but uh, let me ask you kind of a controversial question because I interview coaches from all over the country. Some are breakdown. You you basically were a breakdown, and you kind of went um, maybe it was part whole or whole part whole. Uh -huh. um, but I, I know coaches now, older coaches – that they say they play more five on five now than they did when they were younger. It, it just because I don't know if that's the way the game's changed or why is that happening? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, that that's, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity to, to uh, visit with um, some of the assistants to Rick Majerus, who was at Utah and um, Rick Majerus was a big whole concept coach. And he, mm -hmm. would, he would teach and teach and, and there was a lot of talking. There was a lot, he would mentally break down players from explanation. I mean, he was just, you know, you, but it was, a lot of it was the team concept, but he would stop and teach within the five on five context, but he would spend a lot of time um, standing and teaching, but he just, but it worked. And I mean, he was one of the best coaches, you know, for execution and, and what he did. Then one of the coaches that worked under him, Dick Hunsaker was the head coach at Utah Valley. And I watched several of his practices and he was a Rick Majerus disciple, same concept, uh, a lot of five on five, a lot of whole concept, but a lot of explanation and teaching. And, you know, that can be grueling on players. Uh, a lot of, you know, the, the players of this this generation they they want to go they want to they want to be going and and you know their attention spans are limited but that doesn't mean that you can't stop and and do some quality teaching but I think yeah there are two schools to that and and to me the end of the day is is execution and and results and so if it's a whole concept and that's what your specialty is and you can teach and you can keep the intensity level 
And that's one of the things I do like about the point system is you can do a whole lot of the whole concept. You can do a lot of five on five. If you put the right point values in to the five on five concept and reinforce what you need to improve on within that, then that's one of the things I really uh, like about the uh, point system and the competitive drills is you can reinforce while doing group work what you what you need to improve on yeah i like that i do believe that coaches talk too much and i know uh the great i mike i'm a big fan of mike neighbors head coach women's coach at arkansas mm -hmm. and uh he's a great teacher of the game he actually keeps track of what they call distractions mm -hmm. so if a coach talks too much and then he feels like the players get distracted when coaches talk. And so they try to limit their distraction talking, he calls it. It's just an interesting comment. Do you think coaches talk too much? You know, I think, you know, there can be a, a tendency to do that. Um, but I think, you know, I think the, the, the coaches that really get the results, um, they, they have a good balance of teaching points. And I think one of the things is using teaching cues where you have to right. develop your own language, where a cue, instead of a long, you know, two minute um, explanation of things, you've got, you've got teaching cues that, that communicate the concept with just very few words. And, and I think that's really important too, is, is developing that language of, of cues and, and condensing our teaching into just precise, uh, you know, one of the really good coaches that um, was really, really good with that, that I've, I've listened to is a coach named Mike Dunlap, um, who was in the NBA for a while, was the head coach of Loyola uh, Marymount, um, really good at, at making, um, breaking everything down into concise teaching cues, where he didn't have to talk a whole lot, he just spoke the language and the players spoke the language. And uh, so there was just real precise teaching going on. Yes, I had, uh, I was very fortunate. I totally agree. I had Mike Dunlap on my podcast and there, to me, there's no better teacher of the game than Mike Dunlap. He knows it inside and out. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that he gets another, I, I think he was coaching at, um, was it um, Loyola Marymount? Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And I think he was let go. Um, uh, yeah. Which is a shame. That's yeah. a shame. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, he's in a program that, you know, he's got the deck stacked against him basically competing in the West coast, but yeah, he's a great teacher, very successful. Um, you know, so uh, just an outstanding teacher of the game. Absolutely. Hey Mike, before you go, just give some final words on how coaches, um, can uh, not only get a hold of you, but how they can access Practice Planner Live. Well, you know, again, we're, we're excited to be partnering with, with you and, and, you know, your Championship Vision podcasts. And, uh, you know, they can go to, um, you know, I know you're going to be posting links and, and there's a promo code that we're going to get up and running for, for you. Uh, but if they go to, to practice uh, www.practiceplannerlive.com, um, they can register for a 21-day demo. Um, when they register, it's pretty simple. First name, last name, email address, and then how you heard about it. And then I would invite anyone 
before once we get the promo code up, you can use the promo code. But anyone that does register that's listening to the podcast and and learns about it from the podcast would make sure that when they they go uh, click on the um, championship uh, vision podcast um, item on the drop down menu when it asks uh, how did you hear about the program so that um, you know it tracks back to to you and um, and then from there they can try out the 21 day trial um, it saves all their information it's the full version of the program that has all the um, components and the functionality of the full, full version then once they decide to purchase it uh, it just unlocks the 21 day limitation and then they they use it for uh, the full year and again it's practiceplannerlive.com yeah, Mike, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and sharing. You offered some great advice for us coaches, man. All the experiences, all the people that you know, uh, this, that's what this podcast is about. Um, thanks again for sharing, and um, I'm going to stay in contact with you because we're partners now with Practice uh, Planner Live, So, uh, and I wish all the coaches take advantage of this opportunity, man. This is a great resource for us coaches. Mike, I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate having me. All right. Take care now. Good luck. Thank you. You too. All right. Hi, this is Kirk Gilser of Clackamas Community College Women's Basketball, formerly Oregon City High School Girls Basketball. And as a veteran coach, I'm always looking for new ideas, new things to listen to, somewhere I can improve my coaching. And I've discovered the Championship Vision podcast from Kevin Furtado, and it has become my number one go-to podcast each and every week. Kevin brings in guests that provide a unique perspective, whether it's on X's and O's, philosophy, drill work, whatever it might be. Uh, he's going to get something out there that's going to help me as a coach get better. And I think that's what we should all be doing as coaches is helping each other get better. Uh, Kevin himself is, is always hungry to learn. You can sense that in his podcast. And so, again, I can't recommend it highly enough. Championship Vision Podcast. Kevin Furtado, keep up the great work. Hey, coaches, this is Brad Hilligas, content producer at Huddle for the NBA, NCAA Division I, and high school basketball. I'm a big fan of Coach Furtado's podcast, Championship Vision, because it connects coaches around the country that want to continue learning and growing our beloved game. The X's and O's, coaching philosophy, teaching principles, they're all here. And that's a mission that we're working on at Huddle as well. More than 160,000 teams, including the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate their performance with video. But our collection of online tools is much more than that. Mobile, desktop apps, smart cameras, video editing, data analytics software, the list goes on. But our goal is to help coaches like you teach the game in a modern way, whether that's connecting with your athletes, communicating your game plan, or looking to gain a competitive edge. And if you want to see how Huddle can help your program, visit Huddle.com. That's H-U-D-L.com to learn more. And of course, keep listening to the Championship Vision podcast to never stop learning. Coaches, thank you again for joining me on this podcast with Coach Mike May, Athletic Director at Alpine District uh, in uh, Utah, and also the creator and owner of Practice Planner Live. Uh, he gave some great points, particularly when he was talking about how to put together an ideal practice plan. And he gave really essentials on practice planner live on the advantages of using this software. So um, I will have the uh, free trial link attached 
uh, here to the website, to the podcast. And also you can go to championshipvision.org. If you have any questions, any, uh, if you're looking for any resources uh, to help you become a better coach. So thank you again for joining me on this podcast. Stay tuned for the next great coach coming up on the championship vision podcast. Take care.